stage is taking shape and uh, it's looking great up here. So tonight there's actually going to be our kids program and it uh, starts at 6. However, for all of those kids that are here and those that are hopefully watching this announcement, the kids are supposed to be here absolutely no later than 5 o'clock because they have to get dressed in all of the gear and garb and then they have to try and run through some of their lines tonight. So Calvary kids, you heard it here first. You're supposed to be here no later than 5. Katie's going to be here even earlier than that. So whew, good luck. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. So that's at 6 p.m. tonight. Don't want to miss it. This Thursday, uh, there will be a lift meeting at the Parsonage. Angie Davis will be speaking, and there will be the annual ornament exchange. Please let Rhonda know as soon as possible if you can be there, and if you will be there so she can uh, make the necessary plans. And then next Sunday uh, in the evening, we're going to go Christmas caroling as a group at 6 p.m., and uh, then after caroling, we'll come back to the fellowship hall and have some finger foods, and uh, talk to Jen Mokay about what to bring or what you can do, and uh, we want to be a blessing to our community this season. Also, we are trying to um, get some baskets together for some of the girls that come uh, into our youth group from the bus ministry, and so there's actually a couple baskets that we have uh, already got enough stuff to fill in, and so uh, we had it got... We got more than we thought, so we're actually going to increase, and we're going to go get another basket. So if you would be interested in blessing some of the uh, kids that come to youth off of the bus, we're going to try and do that this Christmas. So um, when does that need to be back in? Next Sunday morning. You can, if you do want to participate and help us with that, next Sunday morning we're going to have those baskets hopefully all done and then take them out uh, on that Wednesday or maybe some Caroling. That's right. I, that's what I said. Yeah, so <laughs> um, so we'll take that when we go caroling and be a blessing to them. And then looking ahead a little, a few weeks farther, December 24th, we will be having our candlelight service in the PM service. And then December 31st, there will be no PM service. So as we uh, celebrate this Christmas season, I just encourage you guys. Uh, I have a question while you're at that. 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock on that night, which would be better? We have a consensus on 5. How many would rather have earlier than later? On Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, five or six? Five, raise your hand. Five would be easier. Maybe you don't care. Six? Five, it is. We have it announced as six, but I just wanted to know if it may help. Okay, thank you. So you also heard that here first. Five o'clock for the candlelight service. And at this time, Greg and Shelley are going to open us with this Advent reading. In Luke 2.14, we find one of the hallmarks of the Christmas story. When the angels appear to the shepherds and proclaim, Peace on earth, Jesus brought about peace in the most unexpected ways when he arrived. The Jews, particularly the zealots, wanted a rebellion. They wanted their Savior to overturn the oppressive rule of the Romans and to bring about peace in a very violent way. But Jesus had something else in mind. Jesus brings us peace in a number of ways. First, he gives us inner peace. Because of his work on the cross, we have a chance to receive salvation and be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. This grants us an inner peace. As it reads in John 14, 27, not only do we have peace that comes from our assurance of salvation, but we also have the peace of mind knowing God will heal this broken world and will come again. Second, we have peace with others. 
We put aside our differences, especially with other believers, because we do belong to the same family. We have the same purpose, to let others know about the peace of Christ. The Hebrew word for peace, shalom, goes far beyond not fighting with others or peace as we know it. It's a peace that passes our limited understanding with everything around us in turmoil. We have a calm assurance that the peace of God is quieting our souls. The peace of God allows us to look at others through heaven's eyes and help guide the world to see God's here and not yet here kingdom. Peace from God, biblical peace, allows us to trust in God's promises through restful, tranquil faith, despite the dark and scary world around us. Not surprisingly, the Bible has a lot to say about peace as it attributes peace to Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace. The story of Jesus' birth is a great example of this peace. Actually, the word peace appears somewhere between 200 and 400 times in the Bible. In addition to the items listed above, biblical peace guards our hearts from the devil, from Philippians 4.7. It brings us joy in Proverbs 12.20. It is a blessing from God in Psalms 29.11, and it assists us during the dire circumstances from Isaiah 54.10. In a scary and violent world, the peace of God grants us tranquility you cannot find anywhere else and offers a light to others who do not yet know that peace. May this wonderful tranquility found in the peace of Christ fill your hearts and minds this Christmas season. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry, for here her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord your God comes with might, with his, arms, with his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are yet young. Psalms 85, 1 through 11. Lord, you are favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all of their sin. Selah. 
You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. You will be angry. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not receive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, <clears throat> and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. 1 Corinthians 1, 3-9 Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please bow your heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God who gives peace. This second week of Advent causes us to remember that because of Jesus, we can experience a Christmas free from turmoil and chaos. Regardless of our circumstances or situations, you offer us peace that passes understanding. The first Christmas, when you sent your son, you sent the one who was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Even the angels cried out, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels knew your purpose. They knew the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love that Christmas held. <clears throat> they recognized that the fullness of God was wrapped in the tiny flesh of an infant as you humbled yourself and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us and the baby, as baby Jesus. That baby would grow to be the same God-man, Jesus, who would again humble himself to face death on a cruel cross as payment for our sin. He would triumphantly defeat sin and death and hell to cancel our sin debt and reconcile us to you, Father. You exalted him, you gave him a name above all names, Every knee in heaven and earth and under the earth must bow to the name of Jesus. The winds and waves obey him. He rules and reigns as king over all. No situation or circumstance that we can find ourselves in is a match for Jesus. We are able to have the fullness of peace in our hearts on Christmas Day and every day because the same Jesus sits at your right hand in heaven and makes intercession for us. Not only that, he paid our sin debt. He loves us with a love that is unfathomable. Nothing can separate us from his love. His good and his, and he is good and his plans for us are good. Father, this second week of Advent, keep us in perfect peace as our mind is stayed on the truth of your powerful love. Thank you for your mighty sovereign hand. Help us to trust fully in you 
and rest in the peace that you offer. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We owe him our worship. Let's worship and adore him this morning as we sing. Sing out with me. Hark the
continue to just to, to pray, uh, play all of them. Let's take a moment this morning to just worship him, to lift up the name of Jesus and give him honor and glory and praise. When I look at the world that is around us this morning and I see all the darkness that seems to, to be out there in our news system and I look at what's going on again still in the Middle East and the wars and rumors and all the things that are going on. I am so thankful this morning that I can find my peace in Jesus Christ. And we come on a Sunday morning to worship the God who saw fit to come in the form of humanity as a little baby into this world to give us hope and to give us peace. Amen? And that's what this Advent season is all about. So let's just take time. Nothing else said before we go to prayer and just give him praise this morning. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you this morning. There is none like you. There is none like you, Lord. We worship you this morning. Praise you for who you are. We worship, we praise, we adore you this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the peace that we find in Jesus Christ, for the hope, Lord, that we find in Jesus Christ, when all around us, as the songwriter said, seems like sinking sand. Lord, we have hope in you. You are our rock. You're our salvation. You're, dear Lord, the center, dear Lord, of our, of our will. Father, we praise you for all of your blessings in our life. We thank you this morning that you care about every need that we encounter. You know, dear Lord, what we are facing, every individual that's here this morning, Lord, you haven't forgotten about. You know, dear Lord, all the burdens of life that we that, that seem to come on, it, come on us like a flood at times. But Lord, in the midst of all of that, our hope is in you. You're our peace, you're our joy, your love, your contentment. And so, Father, this morning we give you the praise and the adoration. We lift up your name today above all other names. We thank you, Father, that you love us, you care for us. You know our needs. You know, Lord, what we're facing. You know those that are not here this morning, those that are away for different occasions and the sickness that is around us. And, Families that are traveling over deaths this week, we pray, Father, that you'll be with them. We pray, oh God, that you'll just comfort your people this morning in the midst, dear Lord, of our fallenness, our everyday lives, Lord. Bring peace and hope and comfort to your people this morning, I pray. Bless, Lord, today and all that we do that will honor, glorify, magnify you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.
song is very very real and it's uh, I'm a self-proclaimed Grinch in the Christmas season but only about the fake stuff that they try and get your money on not about the fact that Jesus came to earth and gives us peace and allows us to um, allows the right to prevail today pastor is speaking from uh, Luke 2 13 through 14 and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God, thank you so much for sending your son, that you sent him to us, that you gave us peace, that we can have in our hearts, that we can uh, be assured that you are on the throne. And Father, we thank you so much for what this season means to us as Christians, our entire um, faith in you, and that you came to earth and died and was, and was risen again. God, we thank you so much for that. I pray that you'd be with our pastor today, help him as he speaks on this amazing and exciting topic. I pray that you'd help us to be uh, listening and ready to apply it to our lives. Amen. As I was preparing the sermon this week, I looked at a few illustrations, as I typically always do when I prepare sermons. And there was a contest, um, and it was a contest of a painting, and it was a painting of peace. And there were several paintings that were entered into the contest, but the two finalists um, in the contest, the one painting was um, a, a mountain brook in the middle of the woods 
with the mountains behind it and that brook as it flowed and you could you just kind of hear that um, uh, that water flowing over those rocks and just uh, what a what a peaceful environment and uh, as the judges looked at that uh, they 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 said it was great but the one they settled on was um, a roaring waterfall water was cascading over the over the uh, cliff and as it was pounding down into the into the uh, lake below you could see um, a a tree that was on the one side and hanging over that over over that um, waterfall were the limbs of that tree and sitting in the very middle of that waterfall on a limb in that tree was a tiny little bird sitting there as peaceful as it could be. That's the picture that won because it kind of expressed what peace is all about. In the midst of the waterfalls of our life, in the midst of the trials of our life, we can find comfort and peace in Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'm so thankful for that. The whole idea of peace is wrapped up in the coming of the Messiah. I'm talking to you about messianic peace. Messianic peace was accomplished at the incarnation. It was accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ and was experienced by the church in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, where it tells us, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. In the, in the Old Testament, the concept of messianic peace referred to both the absence of hostilities and a reconciled relationship with God and others in the, in the context of the new creation. And this messianic peace comes to fruition in the New Testament in Jesus' ministry, of course, in his death, and also in his resurrection. In our text that was read this morning, we read how the angels received the news of Jesus' birth. They were first filled with wonderment and praise and then comforted with the fact that peace had entered the world through this one child, Jesus Christ. And this was messianic peace, and it continued throughout Jesus' ministry. Again, in Mark chapter 5, we have the story of the woman with the issue of blood. When she touched the hem of Christ's garment, he realized at that very moment that virtue had gone out from him. And Scripture tells us that he immediately looked for the person who had touched him, and when he found her, he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. He went on to say, Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This, folks, was messianic peace because not only was there physical healing, but we find here spiritual healing. Why was there spiritual healing? Because it was faith in the Messiah that brought her healing and brought her salvation. Not only did he bring peace to individuals, as we find in Scripture, he also brought peace to two separate ethnic groups of people that we look at in Scripture. First of all, we see he brought peace to the Jewish nation. 
Jesus preached peace to the, to the nation of Israel, which again is very messianic in its nature. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, of course, that he is Lord of all. And again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul affirms this messianic peace when he told the Ephesians, and he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near. In fact, this messianic peace to the nation of Israel was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, where the prophet brought good news to the war-torn Judah when he proclaimed how beautiful upon the, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Paul referred to this when he said, to this, this, this prophecy in Isaiah 52, 7, when he said, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. Jesus came to reconcile all men unto himself through his incarnation and eventual death, bringing peace to a world that had rejected him and literally had imploded upon themselves by their disobedience and by their arrogance. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus came in the flesh, incarnate Christ, to reconcile and bring peace to a world that was torn by disobedience and selfish ambition. You've got to go back to the Old Testament and be reminded, and I do it quite often. I remind our congregation, and we need to be reminded, of the atrocities um, of that world and that day and how they had really rejected God and, and, and left him out of the equation of their lives. And we find that throughout the Old Testament seems. Yes, there's hope there. Thank God for that. And, of course, as, as, the, as the world progresses and the prophets come into view in the midst of chaos and war and, and, and fighting and, and disobedience and, and, and murder, I'm glad that these... The hope of the gospel came through these wonderful prophets like Isaiah to remind these people that there is still hope and that peace is coming one day to their nation. And you can imagine that peace that came when Jesus Christ came into this world and those that understood the prophecies of those Old Testament uh, prophets now were rejoicing in the fact that peace had finally come to this worn, torn, weary nation. Again, we see this messianic peace in, in Jesus' triumphal entry when the people shouted, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Luke chapter 9, verse 38. And so he brought peace to the Jews. But I'm glad to tell you this morning that wasn't the only ethnic group that he brought peace to. 
Because if he hadn't brought it to we the Gentiles, we wouldn't experience the very same peace that the Jewish people were able to experience. And so, secondly, we find that he brought peace to the Gentiles. In fact, again, Paul reminds the church at Ephesus, and he tells them, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, and he called them uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the, in the, in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We were grafted in. Why? Through the person of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Christ that was shed at Calvary for us, we that are Gentiles were grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel this morning. We have this, we're able to enjoy this same peace through the forgiveness of sin. Not only were the Gentiles separated from Christ, but they were separated from the Jews, or of course the commonwealth of Israel. But because of the blood that Jesus shed, these two ethnic groups have peace because the wall of hostility had been broken down by Jesus' incarnation. Jesus' death abolished the Sinai law covenant, which erected a barrier between God and humanity, the Jews and the Gentiles. In fact, in verse 15, Paul said that because of this abolished law, he created in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. Therefore, we are all in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself proclaimed the accomplishment of this peace at his resurrection when he blessed his disciples by greeting them with this statement. What did he say? Peace be to you. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, speaking of Jesus, he said, he is our peace. God brought peace into this world through the birth of his son, Jesus. When we appropriate our faith, by trusting in Christ as our personal Savior, one of the key characteristics of our newborn faith is the peace that, as the songwriter said, sweeps over our spirit in fathomless billows of love. When we come to Christ, there is an overwhelming sense of peace, knowing that our sins are forgiven and that our future is bright as our hearts have been filled with, with love for both God and for man. It reminds me of when I was saved. I understood the concept. It had been preached to me since I was born. I had no excuses, but I still needed that peace personally in my life. I couldn't just appropriate my, my parents' peace that they had found through salvation, but I had to appropriate that in my life. And I remember that night when I finally gave my life to him and the battle was over and the inward struggle now ceased to exist anymore and that peace that flooded over my soul. It was, it was an amazing, amazing feeling of, of joy and, and adoration and thanksgiving, but mostly that peace that I could lay my head down at night in peace and be able to sleep knowing that if he came back or if I died that I would meet him um, in eternity. I'm thankful for that peace.
Messianic peace not only um, unites us to God and to man, it also enables us to live peacefully with all men. The Hebrew writer said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Peter said, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Christianity, folks, is a religion of peace. We, as Christians, are to look for ways to encourage peace among our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe that this encapsulates, encapsulates the kingdom of God. God. Paul said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and what? And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.15 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. I really believe that one of the signs of a regenerate person is that they are at peace with their fellow man. If you're not at peace with your fellow man today, then you better take inventory of, of where you stand spiritually. Peace doesn't mean that there's times when we have differences and there may become conflicts into our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ. But the fact of the matter is this, is when those things do arise, that we are to find every, we are to pursue peace with all of our hearts. We are to pursue, even though we may be done wrong and feel like we had been done wrong, or maybe we feel like we're, we're definitely right in how we feel. We are to pursue peace with all men. Part of Salvation, obviously, is peace with God and with man. And if you're struggling with it, then look no further than Scripture with this peace with our fellow man because it gives us a clear perspective on what peace brings to the heart of the righteous. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings fellowship. Peace that flows down from the Father above in waves of joy and contentment. Peace, folks, I believe also is a matter of perspective and is entwined in our love for God and for our fellow man. Peace is, is entwined in our, in our perspective of how we, we view one another, how we view the world that we live in, how we view the church that we attend, how we view our relationships with one another. It's a matter of perspective. And it's always ingrained or entwined within the heart of every believer. There's just a peace that passeth all understanding, like that little bird sitting on that little limb with that torrential waterfall coming down, yet not even being at all disturbed by it, just sitting there peacefully. In, in the past, I've, I've flown uh, quite often, quite a lot, even though I'm not in business or anything like that, but because of uh, living in uh, the faraway land of Florida, and most of, the, most of the time you had to fly. Tammy hadn't flown as much as I had, and uh, so I remember my first time flying. How many remember your first uh, time flying, maybe commercial, if you've done it? You're probably going to be with me a little bit on this. You hit that pocket, of that air pocket, um, and uh, you think the plane's going down, Right? You grab a hold of whoever's there with you. If it's your husband, you're grabbing hold of his arm. Um, or you may be the husband grabbing hold of your wife's arm. Uh, I'm not sure which. And probably the first time I flew, I flew without my wife, so I didn't, wasn't able to grab her arm. 
feel sorry for the guy beside me. But every time that happened when I first started flying, I look around and I see everybody else sleeping. And I was like, that was comforting. I'm like, well, they're obviously used to this, so they look very peaceful right now, sleeping over there. And uh, I guess if it does go down, they're going to go down sleeping. I don't know. And it was a comfort. But as Tammy flew, in fact, I think she would even do it to this day, just when that thing starts to do that, uh, hit those air pockets, um, uh, she just grabs a hold of me. I'm just holding on for dear life, still fearful the plane's going down. I remember a little little puddle jumper that we flew from um, Hope Sound to the Bahamas one time, and um, it was quite an experience in itself. And the fact the pilot was drunk and uh, at least coming back, I think he was going. And we hit those air pockets, and you thought you were gonna, just going to go down to the, into the Atlantic Ocean at any time. And I, even I at that time was a little concerned that we may not make it back home. But uh, uh, even in the midst of all of that, we can have peace in the knowledge that our sins are forgiven and that Christ is the center of our life. And then if we do die, we're going to go to be with him. Amen? That's the way the believer lives. Does that mean you're not scared? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that you wouldn't have fear. <clears throat> that's, that's just a human emotion. And we do have feelings of fear. But in the midst of the feelings of fear, we can have peace knowing that all is well with our soul. Charles Wesley said, he wrote, I rest beneath the almighty shade. My grief expire, my, my trouble cease. Thou, Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, will keep me still in perfect peace. My soul is stayed. It's, it's, it's affirmed in Christ Jesus, and he will keep us. And perfect peace. Duke University did a study on, on, on peace of mind. I meant to put these up there, and I didn't give it to Jen to do. And I would, if you want to write these down, these are excellent. So if you're writing down notes, I would suggest you write these down. And if you don't get them, I can give them to you afterwards. They did a study on the peace of mind. There are factors. Again, this is uh, Duke University, and, and it's not coming from a, a, a religious uh, uh, writer. Or, uh, invest, or the one that was doing this, um, uh, uh, this survey. Factors found to contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability are, number one, the absence of suspicion and resentment. The absence of suspicion and resentment. Also said that nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. Nursing a grudge. That was one. Two, not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures leads to depression. Three, not wasting time and energy Fighting conditions you cannot change. Mm. Not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. Cooperate with life instead of 
trying to run away from it. Four, said force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Anytime I see people that are going through depression, I typically don't see them very often. They'll find that you'll find yourself becoming reclusive, not wanting to be around other people. You haven't been through it at some point in time in your life. I hope you pray you never do. But if you do, you'll understand where I'm coming from. I've been there. I'm a people person. I love being around people. I've gone through stages in my life where I want to be reclusive. I didn't want to be around people, and I knew that it wasn't good. And so I forced myself to be around people. Five, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Amen. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. Accept the fact. Some of you have got, gone through a lot more sorrow and misfortune than others. And you can stand around and say it's not fair if you want to do that. But if you wallow in self-pity, you will become very discouraged and very depressed very often. Remind yourself that nobody gets through this life without some sorrow and misfortune. Six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues, love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Cultivate them. Love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Seven, do not expect too much of yourself. When there is too wide of a gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals you have set, feelings of inadequacy and are very inevitable. Setting too high of goals for yourself, too high of expectations. I've been there and done it. Or setting expectations based on other people's expectations of you. Or setting expectations of other people's expectations for themselves. Anybody ever done that? Theirs is higher, it seems like, and so therefore I need to have as high of expectation as they do in a certain situation. You've got to come to the realization that, hey, this is who I am. doesn't mean that I can't get better. doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to strive to be better. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to set some expectations a little higher. You know, it's like, well, it's just who I am, so I can't do anything about it. That's not the suggestion here. The suggestion is, is to be careful that your expectations become too high that you can't meet them. Eight. Here's the kicker. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. You've got to go around and tell everybody how great you are. You're probably not as great as you think you are. Now, those are just practical tips. But all of those pertain to having peace in this life. And by the way, what is something that is bigger than all of us? It's in this great, wonderful, matchless kingdom of God that we have the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of. Amen? And we can be an active, a part, active part of this great kingdom of God 
or we can sit by on the sidelines and, and cheer on the rest of them. And sometimes we've given all that we can give, and that's all we can do is cheer them on. And I understand that. But for many, we're, we're more of a spectator than we are a participant in this wonderful, great kingdom of God. We never really do anything. We never set any expectations for ourselves, but sitting there and cheering on those that are working in the kingdom. Folks, I want to be an active participant in this wonderful, great kingdom of God this morning. Amen? And with that, it brings peace into my life. The more that I give to others, the greater sense of peace that I have in my life. And so I pray that you can write those down this morning as we think about this, uh, this idea of peace. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. And on the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in this prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and to sleep as quietly as he ever had in his life. Because he knew the peace of God. And because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord who had met all of his needs. And this morning, I say to this congregation, so can we. So can you. We can rest in the everlasting arms of the one, the great peacemaker, the one that came as the Messiah into this world to bring peace and hope to a lost world. I'm so glad this morning that I can rest in him, being assured of the fact that he knows everything that I'm going through this morning, that he knows every need that I, that I, that I personally need today. Amen? And that I know that he will meet those needs and he'll give me peace in the midst of the storms of life. I'm thankful this morning for this wonderful, wonderful peace that comes down from the Father above. So I want us to stand this morning, our musicians, to come. We're going to sing that hymn in conclusion today. I pray you'll sing it from your hearts. I find in my life that I, that I love these songs on peace. I, I, I love to, I love, I, I, when I think about peace too, I also think about little babies and how they sleep in our arms. And they find their peace and re relaxation in, in the comfort of mommy's arm and daddy's arms. And, and, and uh, they can just sleep without worrying about anything. Listen, I want to say to you this morning, I'm glad to tell you that our Father above has great big arms. Our Father above will want, wants to wrap his arms around you and envelop you in peace this morning. In the midst of your turmoils, your struggles. Diane, I think of you this morning, and here we get to Christmas time, and this is not an easy time. It can be difficult. But, peace comes to you through the one that you have trusted in all of your life. One that Ron trusted in all of his life. This morning he rests in everlasting peace. No more worries about 
prosthetic leg that didn't cooperate. No more worries about dialysis every three days of the week. Peace, wonderful peace in the everlasting arms of the Messiah. And that same God that gives him peace is going to give you peace. Mark, Rhonda, and the family. Maybe there's others here this morning. They've lost loved ones. I know Sister England lost her sister just a few days ago. They'll be going. They're going to the funeral with her aunt this week. Pray for traveling mercies. Brother Tom's lost his, what, 101-year-old mother just a few weeks ago. I know some of you, others, experienced loss this year, and this will be your first Christmas without that loved one there beside you. I just want you to know this morning, I think Megan, Megan, is your mom, she died this year, right? So this will be your first Christmas without your mother, grandmother. Forget anybody, but I want to tell you this morning. He'll give you peace and he'll bring comfort to you in your time of loss and hurt. It comes down from him this morning. Let's sing it. to us in your son Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that the Messiah brought peace to a world that was in disarray, disorder. There was wars and fightings and conflict all around. And in the midst of that, you brought the Prince of Peace into this world. No wonder the shepherds cried out and were thankful when the angel said, this peace is for you, it's come. Yes, Lord, we're still fallen people. Yes, there's still wars and there's conflict because there's absence of peace in people's individuals' lives. But Lord, there's the opportunity that all have to receive this Prince of Peace into their hearts this Christmas season. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, doesn't enjoy this wonderful peace, that you provide through your son Jesus and through 
the blood that was shed at Calvary for the remission of our sins and their sins. They can, this Christmas season, find you as their personal Lord and Savior and experience that wonderful peace that comes in knowing that their sins are forgiven. We praise you and thank you today for all that you have blessed us with. May this peace go with us this morning. May it hover over us, we pray. And may we, dear Lord, be reminded that you are the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Check, check, check.